0: 2022 NFL Draft has been and gone. The Arizona Cardinals have had an influx of fresh new faces, but the British Gang breakdown hasn't. We're stuck with the long-time podcast veterans Tom and Callum to get through episode 140. As ever, I'm Tom. He's Callum. Let's get on with the show.
1: Yeah, uh, back for episode 140. We're post-draft now. Um, As for our news section, I think we can pretty much cover everything as we go through the
0: 2022 draft picks what do you think yeah i mean what's the point of talking about news when there isn't any news other than a whole host of new cardinals that is yeah i mean that's pretty big news isn't it Or just in general isn't it that the fact that the nfl draft has been and gone yeah for another year
1: so how how messed up is your sleeping schedule after a, a sort of odd week
0: well i mean thursday night was a bit of a letdown but we'll get onto that in a bit but it was like staying up till 3am and we didn't actually make a pick. That was a bit, you know.
1: (laughs) I remember them doing that a few years ago. God, I can't remember exactly what year it would have been, but it was the first round pick. And I think we were picking somewhere around 20th or whatever and stayed up and they just didn't pick anyone. It was just
0: get traded away. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good idea. And then obviously spending a whole Friday at work, coming back, trying to stay up for. For like rounds two and three and like falling, like getting up for the second round pick, then setting the alarm for like four o'clock, you know, hopefully to see the third round picks come in. And then obviously I skipped that alarm, never woke up and had a lion for the Saturday.
1: (laughs) Well, see, luckily I I had uh, COVID all of last week, so I was able to adjust my sleeping patterns accordingly. But um, yeah, uh, a, a fun draft overall. Um, Let's get straight into round one, shall we? Because the Cardinals' uh, 23rd overall pick, uh, they selected nobody.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, with the way the draft was going at that point, it was like, what are the Cardinals going to do? Because it was like Zion Johnson was gone. All the wide receivers were gone, even Jahan Dotson, who people were thinking, you know, he's going to be there at twenty-three. But he wasn't, he went at 16 to Washington. So like after that, it was like, what are the Cardinals going to do at 23? Yeah, exactly.
1: And I think, you know, the the like complete lack of anybody that they maybe wanted. And probably, as far as I'm concerned, I think this is an excellent trade. Um, and I think it's one that would be really hard to say no to.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, there were options still there. I mean, one radio personality did say that. A centre was like our top choice, Tyler Lindenbaum. But it's like people would have been furious at that selection, wouldn't they? Because he wouldn't be playing in his first year with obviously Rodney yeah, Hudson there. So it's like that's another wasted first round pick, yet another thing to bash Steve Cyron with. Yeah, absolutely. I think um
1: Yeah, th- for sure <coughs> there were definitely options there, and that's why Baltimore wanted to trade with us to to trade up to that spot. Um but as far as I'm concerned, you know, um our top prospects were no longer there. And uh getting in return uh Marquise Hollywood Brown and the third round pick is kinda more than more than uh, sufficient.
0: Yeah, I mean obviously it's one of those things like there was like we could have had George Carlaftis like we've drafted last week in our last episode we had him in our mock draft. I mean plenty people of people were on really Twitter just on-
1: yeah, people on Twitter were really down on Carlaftis before the draft, so that was an interesting thing.
0: And yet the Kansas City Chiefs picked him at number thirty, so clearly he's must be decent enough if like a yeah. previous Super Bowl champion's gonna pick him.
1: Yeah, they went uh in, you know, the first round. So yeah, as you said, can't be that bad.
0: Yeah. I mean it would have been interesting had we picked him, but it wasn't to be. We traded the pick away. And it went to Baltimore. They then traded the pick again to Buffalo just to trade down a couple of spots. And then they eventually made a selection. And we ended up with Marquise Brown.
1: Mastermind moving there from Buffalo. But yeah, indeed, getting Marquise Brown, who it sounded like he was kind of wanting to get out of uh, Baltimore anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, reuniting him with Kyler, that's quite a good uh, incentive there. And I mean, the, the one downside to this trade, if you ask me, is that he's coming into a wide receiver room that's already pretty full. So I'm suspecting there's probably some cuts to be made there by the time we reach the full roster.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's, oh, good. there's obviously not just the wide receiver. You know, the tight end room's pretty full. Running back room, we've got plenty of bodies there. So it's like this offense is stacked this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But... I mean I I don't think you can you can argue too but too much with uh with getting Hollywood Brown there um being an absolute brilliant uh receiver for Lamar Jackson as I mentioned played with Kyler before both quarterbacks known for extending plays and so he's used to you know keeping himself alive uh throughout those plays as well which is uh, another huge upside it means he's going to fit in well with this offense and um yeah just you know I think, as far as a player that we could have got in the first round, it's not maybe one of our areas of need. But it, he's a very well known quantity. Like we know exactly what he's capable of.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it would be nice to have like a 21 year old rookie to like mold into our own. But you know, Marquis Brown, he's only like what 23. This he'll be coming up to his fourth year in the NFL. So it's like you still I got. I think plenty he's actually coming up to attacks. his
1: third year. I think he's coming up to his third year in the NFL. So was well, no, he's four- drafted yeah, in 2019.
0: 29- yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, because we are picking up his fifth year option. So obviously he'll be playing this year on his fourth year. So like, had we not done that, he'd have been a free agent at the end of this year. So yeah, this is his fourth season in the NFL. Still, you know, I'll I'll take it. I,
1: maybe it's not the long term investment, but given the way that some of our um, more recent long-term investments in first-round picks have ended up, you know, even if we get two good years out of them, that'll be more than than the usual.
0: Well, I mean, most people are, like, f- thinking with us bringing him in, it's, like, another sign towards keeping Kyle Murray here for the long term as well, you know, giving him yeah. one of his favorite weapons from college.
1: Uh, that makes sense as well, especially in a week when they also picked up the fifth-year option for Kyler as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's going to be paid, what, like 20-something million pounds just for playing next year, so all right for some But clearly he's yeah, going to be exactly. getting a lot more than that, even long, further down the line.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, um yeah, negotiations still obviously rumbling on with that. But I do also wonder if this is the sort of thing, you know, it, it keeps Kyler happy. It's like, here's an extra weapon for you. Here's an extra pass catcher. Um and we can see that with uh, some of the, the the next selections in the draft as well. But, um, you know, hopefully hopefully that is uh, another sign that that deal is, you know, coming through.
0: Yeah, it makes you wonder as well, because we did hear pre-draft about the fact that Kyler Murray had had like some sort of input in the draft. He had like a wish list for Steve Cowen, whether or not Steve Cowen listened to that list or... Marquise Brown was part of that list you know, who knows I mean it seems
1: unlikely that you part of your wish list would be like active current players because you know, you never know when a trade is going to be possible but hey, I mean if if the wish list included, I need guys who can extend plays I need guys who have you know, some serious wheels on them and and good pass catching ability then um, Marquise Brown fits that pretty well
0: yeah, and obviously with Kyler Murray being one of the best deep threats in the NFL, well, deep throwers in the ball, and Marquise Brown possibly being a really good deep threat in the NFL, as we've seen with him in Baltimore, with a far less quarterback than Lamar Jackson, I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lamar Jackson still has a, a bit of the same the same thing Kyler Murray does, but you know, hopefully, it, it's good chemistry between the two of them. It, it seems like a good pairing. Um, I'm excited to see what they come up with together, really.
0: And I genuinely hope we get this means we get more Gus Johnson games coming up because, you know, go look at any Hollywood brown highlight film on YouTube and it's literally Gus Johnson screaming in his mouth.
1: <laughs> well, and any Gus Johnson games we get means it's not Mark Sanchez that's commentating
0: as well. An even better bonus, that um, is. I wonder if we can hire Gus Johnson to be our, like, actual commentator you know just to be on the radio like every single week just to guarantee it
1: i mean i i think uh the the cardinals like base commentary is not bad at all but um yeah it's hard to get so
0: yeah i mean i do want just i just want marcus johnson just say having like talk about kyle murray and hollywood brown i mean i'm not gonna do an uh impression of him (laughs) (laughs) because
1: well i'm sure we'll we hopefully we'll get plenty of chances to do it this week, but um, uh, this this week this year, um, but yeah, uh, overall, I mean, definitely one of the more interesting um first rounds that we've had in the past few years.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously not happy at the lack of sleep, but happy enough to get Hollywood Brown on the roster. Now we just have to wonder what shirt number he's going to be wearing because number five is already taken.
1: That's a good point, actually. Yeah. No, there's probably some trading and things like that to be done.
0: Well, I mean it is Matt Prater who does currently wear the number five, so possibly I don't think he'll be giving that up being such a long vested veteran is in the league. And there was then a again, photo there yeah, was like again, Photoshop going around with them having Hollywood Brown in the number fifteen jersey. So anyone with a Michael Floyd jersey, the quids it, aren't they?
1: Hey, well that's me. So
0: Exactly, you just replace the name tag, put yeah. Brown on the back. That's perfect. Even better if you've got a John Brown JT lying around.
1: Oh man, that's a throw that's a throwback. John Brown, Jeron Brown. Um should we move on to, to the second round?
0: Yeah, I mean obviously we did we didn't have a first round pick as such, but we did have a second round selection. And again, this was a bit of a strange one, I would say. Yeah,
1: definitely not somebody that um or not, you know, even a position that we were expecting, but um in round two Cardinals took Trey McBride, a tight end out of Colorado State. Yeah, I
0: mean, like you say, was tight end really a need with the fact that we brought Zach Ertz back on a three year deal? We re-signed Max Williams on a one year deal. And I mean, obviously they're not both long term options at the position, whereas someone like Trey McBride should hopefully be. But well, yeah, that's something I considered when we were drafting. At any point,
1: yeah. I mean, I think actually, even in the pre-draft episode, we said, "Oh, there's no way they'll take a they'll take a tight end." You know, we've got two solid tight ends now. But I do wonder if um, you know, in retrospect, this is them kind of taking a bet on using tight ends more in the future. You know, uh, sort of saying like, "Well, this last season that was such a boon for us." Um, if we can get in you know somebody young that can stick with the team for a while and be a long term option at tight end that could help us you know build that player can continue to use that as a as a good system
0: yeah, i mean obviously six foot four two hundred and sixty pounds he ran a four five six forty you know really solid blocker great receiver athletic enough to play the position you know he's got to be doing a lot of things even in year one i would assume,
1: yeah, and i think um as you said, sort of athletic enough, and and um, seems to have safe hands as well, based on some of the film. But you know, even if you can get him in as a as a blocker, um, and just get him in to, to kind of rotate that position a little bit. Um, I guess it kind of depends on on the different packages that we see. Uh, you know, the the rest of our our tight end room coming in for, and whether or not he's just there to supplement that, or if he's there to. Uh, you know, to learn and, as I say, kind of come in and, and be that tight end in the future.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we've got Max Williams. He's a, probably a better blocker than he is passer. but catcher, rather. And yeah. Zach Hertz is the opposite, isn't he? He's a better passer than he is. I yeah passer, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, but he's better in the passing game. That's that's where you tend to see him come into his own more.
0: Yeah, he's not a great blocker, Zach Hurts, but in someone like Trey McBride, He's like a mixture of the two, so he's as good as he is as he's good as passing, catching, he is blocking as well.
1: Yeah. Which I think is an excellent, you know, um, excellent place to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously he's coming in into this season as well after winning the Mackey Award, which is for the country's best tight end.
1: Um, which again, you know, to me, that's the other element to this pick as well, which is the and we talked about it in previous years as well. You know, at a certain point, you, you draft for talent, right? And if you've got the country's best tight end sitting there at the end of the second round, you know, it's not a bad place to take him.
0: Yeah. I mean, he produced 1,121 yards on 90 catches last season. And previous witnesses of that award include Kyle Pitts, Hunter Henry, and yeah, I'm not going to say Aaron Hernandez, but he did win it back in the days before oh, he geez, became a man. criminal
1: yeah yeah indeed well i mean with uh kyle pitts and hunter henry there he's in uh in good uh good company um obviously those are both guys who went on to actually make an impact in the league not only make an impact in the league but make an impact year one in the league and um you know that gives me hope that we we're, we're going to see some of uh trey mcbride uh this season
0: I do think it will be limited, though it won't be like Kyle Pitts was last year in Atlanta because well, well Atlanta basically didn't that often, have a tight
1: end, right?
0: Well, he didn't have any receivers either. Did he? They? Be yeah. obviously Julio Jones gone, Calvin Ridley injured, and then also away from the team gambling away when he shouldn't have been.
1: Yeah, indeed. But yeah, um,
0: obviously in Arizona, Trey McBride's going to be what good up against DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, AJ Green, Marquise Brown. Zachary, it? Max Williams, James Conner. You know, it's just an embarrassment of riches for the offense.
1: It really is, isn't it? And, and you know, I, as you said, you know, it's probably not going to be in there, um, you know, making as big an impact as guys like Kyle Pitts did in their first year, but, um, and definitely not as much as Hunter Henry did. But, you know, having that grade of talent around um, means that hopefully. Fit in essentially with all of the other talent that we have. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. You know, like you know, Kyler's going to have so many good options to have, just as long as the offensive line can hold up enough.
1: Well, I think that's the that is almost one of the the kind of weak points at the moment, um, as usual. But uh, you know, clearly, clearly, it wasn't on Kyler's big wish list. Uh, if at least the first two rounds, we haven't selected anybody for the offensive line. Then again, you know, you could kind of argue that the tight end is is part of the offensive line.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, obviously, and also there was coming into the draft, he was the consensus number 1 tight end available in the draft and apparently had Arizona not picked him when they did. Dallas the Cowboys were picking the very next pick and he was going to be going there. Ah, there you go then, and you know that's um i
1: uh, to me that all points towards him having a surprising little fall in the draft, like probably there was a few teams had him on the board for going at the end of the first round, and then you know the him still being around sort of well into the second round is is when the cardinals were like, no, enough's enough. we we gotta we gotta
0: take this guy you know, before it
1: goes any further.
0: Well, he was apparently really, really high on the Cardinals draft board, you know, like where they put their Cardinals score and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. Which, you know, again, like that's, that to me points still more towards that idea of like, yeah, we could draft for need at this point, but also we'd be getting somebody you know, less good than this guy, and we'll
0: find a place for him. Basically, well, yeah, they just like they say, they trust the board, don't they? They've like obviously spent months and months putting that together, constructing it. You know, breaking down all the film, interviewing all the players, and so obviously you're going to trust all that work, aren't you? Just over say like a shock fall in the draft or something like that.
1: Exactly, exactly. And you know, like I think that's, I think that's um, what I tend to try and trust, you know, when I'm doing fantasy draft as well is like taking that research you've done before and not letting your uh you know immediate judgment swing the swing the thing for you.
0: We got anything more to say about the guy or should we move on to our duo of third round selections?
1: Um no, I just yeah. Uh I'd interesting to to see uh two offensive players come in so quickly given that our defensive heavy drafts of the last few years. But I guess that all changes in round three.
0: Yeah, obviously we had the one selection already, but with the trade for Marquise Brown giving us pick one hundred, it means Steve Cam had two selections to make.
1: With the third round, um Cardinals went with Cameron Thomas, the edge from San Diego State, and uh My J Sanders for the defensive ends from Cincinnati, thanks to the uh aforementioned trade for Hollywood Brown.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, Edge is a position of need for the Cardinals with them losing Chandler Jones in the offseason to Las Vegas and not replacing him as of yet. So yeah, yeah, the draft seemed to be like the first opportunity they've had to do that.
1: And it's something we talked about last week, you know, it's it's clearly a position where anybody could come in and kind of make immediate impact. You know, it's big shoes to fill. Um, But you know, hopefully it's it's uh, the kind of thing that can make a big difference. And, you know, especially with the Cardinals' lack of good run defense, this is uh, important to make sure that we at least continue the high
0: standard of pass defense that we had. Yeah, I mean, obviously with, like, bringing in guys like Cameron Thomas, I mean, he's 6'4", 267, so possibility he could play a bit on the defensive line, you know, alongside J.J. Watt, Zach Allen and co., or he can also stand up outside and be part of the rotation with Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, and Dennis Gardeck, and whoever else they chuck in. Maybe even Maje Sanders. Seems we yeah. drafted him as well to do that.
1: And the good thing as well is is that um, with Cameron Thomas, he still you know despite that size, he still has quite a lot of explosiveness. He was able to get to the quarterback plenty in his college career. Um, and yeah, just just seems like a, a kind of all round great player, and definitely one who is, um, you know, ripe for moulding into into different situations with the Cardinals' defense.
0: Yeah, I so saw one comment. I think it was from Steve Kime saying like J.J. Watt will be a bit annoyed because he'll have both now, Zach Allen and Cameron Thomas following following him around like lost puppies.
1: <laughs> yeah, just looking for good advice and stuff. Yeah, that's nice, though. I mean, I, I i can't imagine, you know, if I was in that possession um, getting drafted, like, can you imagine a better thing than going to the same team as J.J. Watt and being able to get, you know, that that advice and everything else with that comes with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, as you mentioned before, he's had a pretty successful college career with San Diego State in 2021. He finished with 16 tackles for loss. And eleven point five sacks in fourteen starts to garner second team Associated Press All American honors and the MWC Defensive Player of the Year award. That's pretty good.
1: Um, yeah. So second team uh, All American honors, which is you know pretty good, and especially by the time you're getting down to um third round, I think any any honors or anything like that are. Uh, well received.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously there will be like detractors saying, you know, like the Mountain West Conference—that's not exactly the best competition, is it? But you know, he can only beat up what's in front of him. It's not his yeah, fault.
1: Absolutely, and you know, you know, even if that padded his stats or something like that, it's, it's still you know brought out a, a, a particularly athletic guy. His um, his combine, um, you know, numbers and everything like that looked really good. So seeing him out there yeah i'm excited to see what happens um in comparison we've got uh my j sanders there who with the combine you know came in a little bit light and you know dropped his draft stock a little bit by not putting in a, a great overall performance there
0: yeah i mean he weighed in well he was six foot five well, he's still six foot five. you know, he's not lost any of that height. He's <laughs> not lost any height, no. But, yeah, he measured in it 228 pounds, which is apparently a bit lightweight because he had a bug which caused him to drop at least 20 pounds. So, you know, if he does want to let us know what that bug was, <laughs> yeah. I would happily get it myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, I can't imagine it's pleasant losing 20, 20 pounds to an illness. But, um, yeah, as you said, six foot five, but definitely... Um, has has a lot of speed. He's got a, a huge wingspan, and presumably he'll he'll kind of gain that weight back. But in the meantime, you know, potentially looking uh, at, at being moved back and sort of in a linebacker type position.
0: Yeah, I mean, if even if he is just used as like a designated pass rusher, you know, like on third and long downs, you know, he can be a useful addition to this defense, at least in year one.
1: Um, yeah, and you know, I think again when you're looking into sort of round three and beyond. Um, it, it's looking more like the long term in the future. You're not looking for people who are ready to to start just yet. But you know, again, if you've got somebody who is a a specialist pass rusher, there's worse things to have.
0: Yeah, I mean, people do say he's a bit raw, but he has the speed to compete in the NFL. Even if he can still improve on his ability just to get to the quarterback, because he did have a pressure percentage of fourteen point one percent last season but ended up with just two and a half sacks to his name. And that wasn't on a Cincinnati defense, which did end up in the college football playoffs, if I remember rightly. I mean, that could also mean, you know, it could also be
1: due to who you're around with as well. But yeah, it's, it's a shame to not have higher numbers on that. But, you know, we can't we can't always rely on numbers. I mean... Um, we've talked about that with some participants on even the Cardinals' defensive line, right? Who had
0: very low sack numbers, but were clearly contributing to it all. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, like he could be like another Dennis Gardeck. You know, he and he played unlimited snaps in his first year, and look at what he managed to do. He got a few sacks yeah. to his name, didn't he?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and was then being able to to impress, and you know, Gardner himself and nickname and stuff, and. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what this pair could do. Um, and we had plenty of time to to think about our second and third round picks because the Cardinals didn't pick again for some serious amount of time.
0: Yes, yeah, insert the, the many hours later thing here from Spongebob Squarepants.
1: Yep, indeed. Because um, it wasn't until the
0: 201st pick that the Cardinals got their next uh, bite at the apple. I did see on the actual like announcement of the selection the Mexican guy who was announcing the pick said it was a two thousand and first selection. <laughs> it definitely felt like that at that point, yeah, I was gonna say it's been like what how long it yeah. just seemed like ages you know like going through the fourth round, going through the fifth round, getting to the sixth round. it was like I think it was like nine o'clock or something before we actually picked on saturday
1: yeah it was an it was an odd situation, but you know um. It, it was nice to be able to step away from it for a while anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still had it on in the background, you know, like listening to all the chitter-chatter and all that sort of thing, as you do.
1: Well, once you're into the flow of it, that kind of just makes sense, right?
0: Yeah, and obviously with two selections in the sixth round of the NFL draft, the Cardinals added two more players, and back on the offensive side of the ball, as always. Indeed.
1: Um Uh, Keatoni Ingram was the first of the two.
0: Yeah, and he was selected with pick 201, which was the same pick that Cliff Kingsbury was drafted with all those years ago. Uh,
1: Which is kind of, yeah, that's kind of fun.
0: And also, obviously, Cliff Kingsbury connections. The fact that Keontae Ingram is a native of Carthage, Texas, and he was also on on the radar of Cliff Kingsbury back when he was at Texas Tech, because he tried to recruit him, although he ended up going to Texas instead.
1: It's funny. I think it goes to show how big the recruitment programs are for these, but it is interesting seeing all of the people that that Cliff, you know, still to this point has links with.
0: I'm not sure if anyone's brought it up yet to him, but it was just like, I thought, you know, you know he's a guy from Texas. I'm pretty sure Texas Tech must have tried to get in there somewhere, just in oh, case. Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's... That's part of your, your early scouting, right, is you're going to look at the local talent.
0: And, I mean, it is Texas. You know, Texas does have for, like, millions and millions of high school footballers, don't they?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's uh, obviously a big state for that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if we mentioned, but uh, Ingram, obviously, uh, a running back.
0: Yeah, six foot, £221. And, obviously, the Cardinals did bring back James Conner but they also lost Chase Edmonds and only had who? Jonathan Ward and, you know, Benjamin on the depth chart. So it was like, yeah, you could see running back being a position that they may have like tried to address in the NFL draft. And so they did on day three.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, running back depth is something you can never really get enough of. Um, I don't know if we'll be going back to a two back set the same way that we had for the last, last year, um, but I mean, even if we weren't you know there was James Connor spent a bit of the year out injured um Chase Edmonds spent a bit of the year out injured, so there's always chance for backups uh to get in and and you know make their mark known in uh even rookies,
0: yeah, and I mean, I mentioned that he was two hundred and twenty one pounds, but the later on in the thing it does say two hundred and fifteen, so he's somewhere between those two marks.
1: I mean, to be fair, that's uh that's sort of a decent sized
0: meal between the two of those. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, especially what American footballers have to eat, yeah, isn't it? You know,
1: exactly. But yeah, I mean, um, obviously, uh, one of the big things that, that Ingram was kind of hyped for is his pass catching ability, um, which you know, again, it's this is yet more pass catchers. But if if we just flood the field with them, I can see how that would be hard to defend.
0: We're just going to go for that sort of Madden scores, aren't we? Say so like we just have to try and outscore the opposition because we yeah, can't absolutely. defend.
1: <laughs> Especially if you look at the draft with the uh, with the amount of uh, offensive players we're going for here.
0: Yeah, I mean it will be an interesting battle to see. You know, like whether Ingram will like make it to RB two, or will they trust Eno Benjamin after he showed up late last season when he was given the opportunity?
1: Yeah, indeed, and I think um, this is a this is a good one to watch the sort of pre-season camps and things for, because this is, you know, where the depth chart gets written. Um, And I think that at this point,
0: really, any of those guys have a shot at getting that RB2 spot. I mean, it's obviously James Connors backfield, but behind him, anyone can take the role, Courtney?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't see anybody taking that away from James Connor, especially with him being such a prolific scorer, you know, but... um, there's definitely opportunity behind him. Um, and as I said, injury is common at that possession. Um, exhaustion is common at that possession. So, uh, yeah, plenty of plenty of uh, ways to go with that.
0: Well, I mean, as well, we spent most of last year calling the offense the run raid offense, didn't we? we so, did, there's yeah. clearly going yeah. to be carries available to any of the backs available behind James Connor and Kyle Amore should they decide to run him again.
1: Yes, indeed um but yeah uh, i i'm i'm pretty pleased with that pick i think that's a that's a solid pick there and and again hopefully we see uh some more of Ingram you know throughout the season but hopefully yeah, not of cu- because uh, james conner's injured
0: and of course the offense can't really do much if the offensive line isn't up to scratch and the cardinals spent their second 6 round selection on a guard from virginia tech Lissetus Smith. Which is...
1: Uh, I, I'm pretty pretty pleased with that as a pick.
0: Yeah, I mean, 6 foot 3, 314 pounds. You know, he's just a typical guard size, isn't he? You know, big, musty, big, husky guy. He's just there to stop people from getting to Kyle and Murray And also to open, like, run lanes for James Conner and co. Yeah. Can you ask um, for?
1: And, you know, as... With this team, there's there's always the chance of um, of shuffling around that offensive line a little bit, bringing in a, a guard, and um, yeah, I think uh, Lucita Smith looks like an interesting potential uh, for for that position, and it's good to see as well because kind of it's fairly often, especially from smaller schools, Virginia Tech's hardly a, a small school, um, you do get offensive linemen coming in like a little bit underweight. Um, but at three hundred and fourteen pounds, he should be, you know, pretty much ready to go as far as uh, as NFL weights are concerned.
0: Yeah, I was going to say how how can you call Virginia Tech small when they gave us Logan Thomas those years ago? <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about Logan Thomas.
1: Anyway, um, yeah, I think uh, you know this is this is a true right guard to fill a position
0: which we don't really have you know, a true right guard for. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see some of his numbers as well, because since 2020, he's given up just two sacks out of a possible 581 pass block snaps. And throughout his entire four-year college career, he only gave up 40 pressures. That's some pretty good wrestling right there. Yeah, and to make it even more impressive, he came to Virginia Tech as a tight end. Oh man,
1: that is really impressive. Then actually, just got tired of running around. Then
0: yeah, I think I actually saw him. I think it was on Good Morning Football. He had like a really in depth interview with him in the lead up to the draft, and he was saying like when he was like he first set on campus, they were like, "You could play tight end, or we think you would be better in the long run as a guard." You know, just because of his athleticism and the fact you know he did have to put on quite a significant amount of weight. But obviously that's to be the case, isn't it, on the offensive line?
1: Yeah, big time. Um but you know, I mean that's uh that seems like a a good personnel manager there, right then, right? Because, you know, if you've if you come out uh as you say, come in as a tight end and they say, no, we think you'd do well as this, and then you get drafted in uh well, I mean it's the sixth round, but still if you get then get drafted and go and be able to play professionally then that's that's pretty good uh, people spotting there
0: i mean i think as well with offensive lines you find like the later you pick them like the more likely you are to find an actual long-term starter that is true actually
1: yeah i don't know if, if there's
0: like any like sort of correlation to that or like you know i might, might just be talking out my ass as usual mm-hmm. but you know well
1: i think as well it's partially because you know um offensive linemen are just less likely to go in the early rounds as well because they're just not as flashy a pick. But definitely well, yeah. I, I agree. Like uh, you know, when you see these kind of veteran offensive linemen, you quite often
0: look and they're drafted in the, you know, seventh round or something like that. Or they're like undrafted as well. It's like it seems yeah. to be like a gold mine for them, doesn't it? Because just just because they don't get the fair share of looks in do because, like you say, they're not a flashy pick, are they?
1: Well, it's it's hard to keep a fan base and, uh, you know, it's hard to keep everyone happy when you pick somebody who you kind of, as we've said on this podcast a million times, if they're doing their job, you just forget that they're there.
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, like we said earlier, had we stayed put at 23 and drafted a centre, could you imagine the outcry on Cardinals Twitter or even on social media all over the place?
1: Absolutely. I feel like they only just barely got away with this one, really. But, I mean, I for for uh, uh, an offensive lineman, you know something that's really hard to pull up stats for. These are some really good stats.
0: Yeah, and obviously, like you say, there is holes on this offensive line, so he can compete for a starting job or he can compete for a backup role. You know, as long as he sticks around, does his job, he could be here for a while.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Keep your head down, get working, and as you said, you know, potential even at the starting job, um, which is you know, pretty good coming out of the sixth round, really.
0: And don't forget as well the fact that they've got one of the best defensive line coaches in the league to work with. That,
1: that is true, yeah. So, you know, hopefully, and, you know, ultimately as well, if we're seeing some of these um, these
0: backups and things like that as well, that that's, that's always very useful to have. And in the final round of the draft, the Cardinals had three selections in round seven, including back-to-back selections later on.
1: Yeah, indeed. Um, first up was uh, the man from the school nobody had heard of, Christian Matthew, cornerback out of Valdosta State. Uh, and then after that, was followed up by, as you said, the back-to-back picks of Jesse, Lute, the linebacker from Penn State, and Marquise Hayes, a guard from Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we should kick off first things first with Valdosta State. <laughs> Have you
1: heard of them before? I hadn't. No, um, it, it's funny. I, I posted the Google Trends uh, of the of Valdosta State onto uh, um, onto Twitter, and it, the only peak that surpassed it is probably around about their admissions time in September.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty wild. It was like I put a Twitter out, a tweet out saying, as always, like Google searches for Valdosta State have just probably skyrocketed, which clearly they had done, shown by your graph. Yep. But well, yeah, they are apparently an NCAA division two team based in Georgia, and they're pretty successful at that level as well.
1: Yeah, I mean I think they've won a couple of times as well. So
0: Yeah. And they're also a school which currently has three cornerbacks in the NFL in Kenny Moore, who's with the Colts, Kindle Vildor, and Steven Denmark, who were both bears, although the latter is now in the CFL with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I
1: mean that's that's not a bad record for for a division 2 team to get three cornerbacks in the NFL.
0: But yeah, I mean you had more players drafted than the like the high school superpower of Texas, you know.
1: Yeah, good point. Good point. Um but yeah, I mean uh, coming in and uh, you know a, a cornerback is is a position that we needed quite badly as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, we can also say that this is another one of those Steve Kime specials, isn't it? You know, drafting someone from a school no one's ever heard of before. Yeah, that's definitely uh, a
1: a classic Steve Kime move. Um, But, you know, I think it worked out all right last year, right?
0: Yeah, and I mean, obviously with Matthews, it's like, I mean, we can also forgive the fact that he does have two first names for a name. He does, yeah. He's got the double first name squad. I think his actual, like his Twitter handle is something like that as well. It's like two first names. Oh, that's kind of fun. I know, he knows the jokes, so that's all right. But yeah, he has a size that's six foot two and 192 pounds to find a place on the Cardinals roster. If he has the skill it takes to be an NFL cornerback, which is obviously the massive question mark, isn't it? Stepping up from NCAA double eight, Division yeah. two level.
1: But I mean, I think you know. Once you're in the last round, that's the time to be making calls like this, right? That's the time to be making um, interesting choices.
0: Yeah, and like you say, the Cardinals do have a need at cornerback, so he's definitely coming to the right place if he's got a chance, you know, to stick around.
1: I mean, physically at six foot two and one hundred and ninety-two pounds, that is pretty big for a cornerback.
0: Yeah, but I mean, we don't have a big cornerback on our roster. Do? We, we, we don't. We the only no. like what sub six foot guys,
1: yeah exactly, um which is you know it's good for good for coverage and things like that to be able to get uh that wingspan in there and and presumably what goes along with that is verticality, but um you know hopefully he has the the athleticism and um the stamina to be able to keep up at the n f l level but as i said you know this this is the time to make that judgment call and you know bring somebody in that maybe isn't ready for it
0: yet but We'll see. I did see though, but I haven't been able to corroborate it anywhere, but the fact that he's 25, I think, or 26, which is pretty old for an NFL rookie.
1: That is pretty old, yeah. I wonder how he, uh, what his route into college was then, because quite often that means that they'll have done, you know, something else to get scouted for college first.
0: Apparently he transferred twice while he was at college. So he's been to one college, transferred. Then transferred again to Valdosta State. Hopefully, that
1: doesn't mean he's uh, trouble on or off the pitch or something like that. Then,
0: yeah, I mean, like obviously, limited information. Information is pretty scarce on the guy because, like, looking up on draft night on the NFL.com like draft page, there was literally nothing on there. He didn't even have a face.
1: I mean, again, like this is this is what happens when you get down into the like later rounds and stuff like that. Just 'cause you can't you can't cover all the bases.
0: And did you notice the Arizona Cardinals Twitter announcement of him?
1: What about it? Did they spell like, yeah. his name wrong or something?
0: No, they had like like the image had like three pictures. But it was free of the exact same picture, just with different oh, bits cropped oh out. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I, I suppose again, you know, the social media team can't be necessarily better prepared than the NFL website team, right?
0: I know it's just them sort of things just make you laugh, they don't. You? It's like they've never dare, even yeah. heard of the guy. It's like we got one photo of him. We just know his name. That's hey, about it. We didn't
1: even hear of the uh, of the school until after he was drafted. So you know, jokes on us, I
0: guess. I mean, in the middle of this draft, in the middle of the seventh round. The Cardinals selected Jesse Lucchetta from Penn State, who obviously everyone's heard of Penn State.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, Penn State's obviously a big one. Um, But uh, listed as a linebacker, or drafted as a linebacker rather, but he has been kind of all over the backfield, really.
0: Yeah, six foot three, 253 pounds. So, you know, he's pretty good size for a linebacker. But He's, he's right, versatile, right where you want yeah. Yeah, he's versatile. He's had him moved inside linebacker. He's moved on the edge, but as a senior, in his last year, he played both positions, and that is apparently where Steve Kime thinks he'll play for the Cardinals. Well, that
1: definitely seems to be a running theme for the last few years with the Cardinals' defense, right, is, you know, um, experimenting with having guys play in multiple positions. But definitely, to me, so far, it's been a bit of a failing um uh, failing experiment, but you know we'll, we'll see. I'm sure that they will, con- you know, find a a spot where he's sort of more comfortable.
0: Yeah, and I mean they call him a high motor guy who he may not have the, tr- the speed to be a traditional edge rusher, but he does play like his hair is on fire. Well, which is I think, one of those you know, phrases it, you always hear, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is, and you know, but I think um in terms of you know speed for an edge rusher or whatever, it's it's not really an ed- edge rusher. That we need from him, you know, if we've if we consider the other guys that we drafted to be edge rushers, essentially, you know, we'd be looking more at, I guess, sort of inside linebacker experience would be the the more interesting thing for me.
0: And also the fact he may be able to play on special teams as well. That could be his path onto the fifty three man roster.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and especially as a as somebody who's six foot three. You know playing and uh,
0: defending uh, field goals and stuff like that is obviously a big thing there. Do we have much more to say about him? Do we? Can we move on to our final selection?
1: If indeed, yeah, final selection, last selection in the 2022 draft for the Cardinals was uh, Marquise Hayes. Who yeah, is, started,
0: but well, we started yeah, a draft with an Oklahoma player and we finished a draft with an Oklahoma player
1: and two Marquises as well, but differently spelled.
0: Yeah, and I don't think he's named Hollywood or after whatever place he's from. <laughs> no. He's just he's Marquise.
1: Not. Yeah, just Marquise. Um, yeah, and which also obviously makes him another former teammate of Kyler.
0: Yeah, I mean he's got the size, he's six foot five and three hundred and eighteen pounds, fitting of an NFL offensive guard.
1: Yep. Uh it, basically in the exact same zone um that we were talking about uh that we were talking about Smith being in.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you know, I think he may be a bit more obviously coming from Oklahoma probably a bigger name college than virginia tech don't yeah. hate me Hokies fans it's true
1: <laughs> it, yeah it probably is true but i mean um yeah he, he, you know possibly falling down to the seventh round he's he's less likely to be oven ready as boris would put it
0: yeah i mean obviously seventh round selection he's not going to be a perfect prospect is he It's like there's people who say here he plays a game like a street fighter, using length and strength to pummel overmatched opponents. However, he lacks the fundamentals to carry it over against pro competition, and he's also not much of a bender. Which again, in a, in Britain, that means something completely different to what yeah, I think it, it means.
1: It does, yeah. But gen, generally, um, <coughs> I think that that makes sense, right? You see that a lot in these kind of later round texts, especially with big defensive players and that you know they're just guys who are used to throwing their size around and and really not having that you know ultimate um well fundamentals as it says there you know they've not got the 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 technique down to be able to take out you know these big names in the actual NFL itself but um you know ultimately if you've got if you've got the size the fundamentals can still be taught at that point. If you've got the size and athleticism to do it, it's just obviously uh, a bigger ask at that point. You're less of a a complete all-round package.
0: Well, exactly. You can't teach speed or height, can you? Or athleticism and that.
1: Precisely, you know, but you can teach (laughs) things like getting your stance right, getting your explosives right, all of that sort of stuff. But, you know, we talked about the Cardinals needing a guard and this could be an excellent um, possession to do it from.
0: Yeah, I mean, the final bit of this com- this like report that I copied and pasted because I couldn't be asked to do too much research of my own. <laughs> it says, he's a tough physical finisher with coveted physical traits, but needs to upgrade his hands, feet, and contact posture to become more than a backup in the league. And again, like we said with the other offensive linemen we drafted, they are going to go and work with one of the best in the business, in Sean Kugler. So, Absolutely. maybe he can figure fix those issues and have them be solid contributors to the Cardinals roster. And not just that, but you know, even if he can't, if he's going to be,
1: we don't need him to be more than just a backup. We we need him to be a backup just now. And uh, you know, he can learn those things from the possession of being a backup.
0: Yeah, exactly. No pressure at all whatsoever, is there?
1: Exactly. You know, I, I, either way, I think we've got ourselves a good deal there, and overall, um, pretty good draft class. I think it's remained relatively uncontroversial, aside from the
0: trade. Yeah, I mean, I've got no issues with any of the selections whatsoever. I mean, I would have been happy to have like selected one of them, at least in my mock drafts, but. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So that you could go back and sort of say, look how uh, clairvoyant I am. But, you know, I guess with the way that everything fell with all of the trading and things like that, that occurred, not just with the Cardinals, but across the league um, and with the way that the kind of early picks fell, there was just no way of predicting that the way that it turned out in the end.
0: Anything predictable? Was it some predictability?
1: (laughs) precisely um which kind of leads us nicely into into the uh gamut of grades that the cardinals were given for their uh draft overall which i think is is interesting
0: yeah i mean they are pretty meaningless at this juncture but you know let's humor them while we can just to fill out the
1: episode Uh, ultimately you know the the grades really come into their own in about five years when people do a retrospective on draft classes and go like, aha, yes, that was actually worthwhile. Um but yeah the Cardinals have grades uh ranging from an A minus to a D.
0: Yeah. And with things in between as well. So we had CBS and NFL.com giving them A minus. Pro Football Focus and Bleacher Report went for B minus. Nation went for C plus. Sporting News went for C. And Sports Illustrated for some reason. Gave them a D.
1: I've I've not read all of the uh, you know full comments behind these scores here, but um, you know one of the the trends that I saw there was really um, how well people thought that the Cardinals came out of that trade in the first round. You know, because the first round is such a huge part of the draft. All right,
0: um, we do just have some breaking news to bring just as we're recording this. Go on then. Arizona Cardinals Pro Bowl wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, is being suspended six games while violating the NFL's performance-enhancing truck oh, policy. Oh,
1: dear, oh, dear. The PED policy. That's not great. That is not great. Six games. Well, is, luckily, you know, we've just uh, added a um, couple extra pass catchers to the roster.
0: He's gone full Patrick Peterson on us.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, well... uh, I'm not sure what to make of that, actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's literally just happened on Twitter. I have just spotted. It. So, yeah. I mean, what more can we say about that? Like, uh, that it's bad, I guess, is the main thing. I mean, yeah, it is a good job that we did just get some guy called Hollywood Brown in. But again, we spent time. We saw how the offense did last year without Hopkins. And let's be honest, it wasn't great
1: yeah indeed and a six game uh suspension is not to be sniffed at and especially if you're going to miss the first six games of the season so you're going to be you know then taking another two games at least to kind of catch up with the rest of the team in terms of preparedness but indeed i guess that's a uh, something for us to discuss in our in in more depth in our next episode
0: Yeah, or at least when we get to doing a season preview, we can be like, yeah, we're playing these six games without Hopkins, so how will we fare without him?
1: Oh, well, indeed. Um, Do you have anything more to say about these uh, slightly meaningless grades?
0: I don't know, but I do have things to say about our undrafted free agent who we have allegedly signed, but obviously this is not confirmed just yet.
1: Yep, indeed, we've got a little bit of a... A sort of rumoured list, I guess, to go through.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like a rumoured list as such. It's just like literally as soon as the final selection is made in the draft, it's like, oh, yes, this person signing with uh, so-and-so is like a free agent. Yeah. So, yeah, the Cardinals have got a big list going on so far. So they've got running back Ronnie Rivers from Fresno State, wide receivers, Changa Hodge from Virginia Tech, John Trey Kirkland from LSU. Javonta Payton from Tennessee, Stephen Robinson Jr. from Northwestern, they got center Cole Bentley from Louisville, defensive end Will Miles from Central Methodist, defensive tackles Keontae Shad from Oregon State and LaRon Stokes from Oklahoma, linebacker Chandler Wooten from Auburn, and defensive backs Darrell Baker Jr. from Georgia Southern and Keke Ula Kaniho, from Boise State.
1: Yeah, a uh, motley crew, as it were, coming out. You know, I, I, so that's a fair um, mix of, of players to to get brought in. And again, you know, this is definitely into the to the groups where it's essentially just a an invite to camp at that point.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of them are just like a, possibly like a invite to the rookie cap which is coming up next. Couple of weeks' time.
1: Still, you know that's uh that can that can be a big thing, and and you do see undrafted free agents like that coming in and still able to produce some good
0: stuff. Yeah, I mean, some people do say we should look out for the uh, what was his name, Darrell Baker, the defensive back. He could possibly be a guy who forces his way onto the fifty-three.
1: Hey, you know, and and uh, as we said before, we've still got a, a sort of fairly chunky need at cornerback there and defensive back, obviously. Um, kind of covers in with that whole uh, sort of possessional group, so um, yeah, I, I could see that. But
0: yeah, I mean, the thing is now, what's next for the Cardinals? Because, you know, we've got this long, boring off-season to come now. Yeah,
1: indeed, uh, lots of discussion to come of mandatory, non-mandatory mini-camps and rookie-only camps and all of that sort of stuff, but um, mainly, you know, uh, the the Sort of deadline for things being in any way part of the official draft is uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today, which is pretty much now as we're recording.
0: Yeah, pretty much any signings now no longer will count towards any compensatory selections for the 2023 draft. So I would assume from that one, we will see the Cardinals bringing people in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and then this is essentially the point where they start bringing people in off the street, um, and we'll see that throughout the next couple of weeks, especially as camps start to fall together and things like that.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, we are looking at possibly three compensation picks for next year. Christian Kirk, a third, a fifth for Chandler Jones, and apparently also a sixth for Chase Edmonds. So can't complain at that, I suppose.
1: No, you can't really.
0: That's that's pretty uh, stacked. And we have already brought someone in, because I noticed today we have re-signed Charles Washington on a one-year deal. I mean, it wasn't big enough to make him news at the start of the episode, but...
1: (laughs) No, I mean, it's not quite the uh, eye on Washington of of old.
0: Yeah, we'll just bury it in the bottom of the episode when people (laughs) have stopped listening.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, other than that, we've got the rookie minicamp coming up um, uh, in in just under two weeks from now on May 13th to 15th. which is also the day that the NFL schedule comes out. So perhaps we will do uh, an episode at some time around then to discuss who we've actually got to play next season and and uh, how much that Hopkins band's gonna gonna cost us.
0: Yeah, cause the schedule I think is out on the twelfth. So literally the day after we have the rookie mini camp to look forward to as well. Which is perfect. And then um, from then uh, there's voluntary OTAs
1: between May and June. And then the mandatory mini camp is is only um, you know a month after the rookie mini camp on June fourteenth, so you know uh, basically the standard uh, uh, off season malarkey. And I'm sure we'll get some uh, fun commentary pieces on why Kyler isn't at the rookie mini camp and all that sort of stuff.
0: Even though he can't be at that one, well, I mean, even like- though he
1: can't be at it, but somebody will make the point, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, he should be there supporting his rookie, shouldn't he? Basically, exactly.
1: Yeah, something along those lines. But, um, yeah, I guess that's more or less it from from us in terms of uh, what's coming up and and uh, what's happened at the draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll do an- another episode at some point in the near future. Just obviously, when something big breaks, I suppose when we've got enough to scrape together an episode, essentially, pretty much. Yeah, you know. I mean, this one's full of content, but anything more, I know. All the content's dry. Go find <laughs> more content. Absolutely. But yeah, that'll just about do it for this week's episode of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. As always, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Bird Gang. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang. And join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang. By British Bird Gang merch at Com, And, of course, if you like what you listen to on the podcast, then leave us a review, wherever it is you get your podcast from. You know, whatever stars you think we're worth, give us at least five. That's probably the best.
1: <laughs> yeah, start with five and then work backwards, I guess. Yeah, but go from five to, to five, if
0: basically. To, if you get
1: to four, then just don't bother. It's not worth it.
0: Yeah. But, you know, thanks for listening, as always, and we'll see you again next time for another episode of the British Birdground Breakdown. See you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.